So here we go. Thank you very much. Dennis is helping us with our overrated, underrated game. This is our last chance to play our favorite game. So here we go. Overrated, underrated. What is overrated or underrated? This is a weird one, maybe. But here you go. Uh, pillows. Who cares deeply about the pillows that you sleep on? Uh, maybe you have a Tempur-Pedic. Maybe you have a my pillow. Maybe you have a Walmart special. But our pillows are, is your pillow overrated, underrated? Lock in your answer. One, two, three. Oh my goodness. Pillows are so underrated. You've got to get yourself a really good pillow. Um, I am very notorious at my home. I, I have all of them. Uh, I've, had, I've cycled through every single one. And what I like is I just like to add another one to the mix. And like if you in bed, I, I'm like I sleep on my stomach and I'm like just sprawled out. And I'll have pillow, 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 elbow. She's like, what is that? My wife is like, what is that pillow? That's my elbow pillow. That's my back pillow. That's that's my face pillow, you know, and I just, I, I don't need a bed. I just need like a bucket of 50 pillows and I'm happy. And um, that's what you have to do when you don't sleep very well. I'm kind of a insomniac. So I just, I, I, 50 pillows uh, is what I, is what I go with. So our right, pillow is not overrated. What a wonderful world we live in where we have wonderful pillows and comfortable seats. Can you imagine an era where you didn't have to, uh, all these beautiful things. It, it's, it's wonderful. That's why I don't go camping, because uh, I'll miss my pillows. All right, here we go. Fishing. Fishing. Overrated, underrated. Lock in your answers. One, two, three. We got mixes all over the board. All right, again, like I say, don't hate me. But this is just my opinion. Overrated. All right, Zach's Zach's not here to argue with. Anyways, all right, <laughs> he he can't argue against me. I say fishing is overrated. Here's here's my fishing experiences. I went fishing several times as a kid, and I never caught a thing. You know, everybody else around me caught him, caught him, caught him. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I just, I mean, what, what is it? It's like, oh, you got to do it this way. It's, like, what? it's just a hook in the water. How come my hook is not chosen? And so I was, I was very proud at a certain point where you go four or five times and, and you don't catch any fish. At a certain point, there's a point of pride. And so at about the age 20, I, I would proclaim to people, I've never caught a fish in my life with great pride. And I was, I was very proud of that fun fact. And so my in-laws, who are really good at fishing and live by a lake, they like sought to it that it was their life mission to make sure I caught a fish. They thought it was an abomination before God that I had never caught a fish at the age of 20. So they took me out and they, when they fish, they catch lots of fish. They catch like a hundred fish when they go fishing and I caught a fish, but I was kind of disappointed about it because I wanted to be, I wanted to say I, I've never caught a fish. Um, so I say, when you go fishing with the in-laws, it's not overrated. They're pretty, they're, they're good at it. That's fun. But overall, overrated. In my opinion, in my opinion. All right, here we go. A couple more. Bacon. Is bacon overrated or underrated? Overrated or underrated? Lock in your answer. One, two, three. 
chicken is underrated. It's highly rated, but how can you rate it too low? It makes everything better. Okay, you go out to Subway, say, I'm going to have a turkey sandwich. Not a bad meal. Turkey bacon, it's like a holiday. Are you kidding me? Uh, add a little bacon to your meal and your life. What a wonderful thing. And uh, the, the people who say low carbs... They're, they're telling us now that bacon is okay. Bacon is not a terrible thing to eat. Ditch the cereal. Go with the bacon and eggs in the morning. The uh, old timers had it right. Okay? All right. So bacon, underrated. Here we go. Another one. Hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, overrated, underrated. Lock in your answers. One, two, three. Okay, I'm not... I have a limit. I have put up lots of controversial things on this board, but I can't go there. This is too controversial even for me. I can't put it on the board. All right. <laughs> I don't. If I make a statement about hand sanitizer, yeah, I could be run out of town, maybe arrested. Okay. All right. So I can't even do it. All right. Here we go. This is one. This is, this is one you've been waiting for. I know that you've been waiting and thinking, seeing when this one would come up. This is, this is what we, we, we thought about. Here we go. Are you ready? Sermons based on the fruit of the Spirit that include fun games where we vote whether we think random things are underrated or overrated. All right. Lock in your answer. Lock in your answer. I say overrated. <laughs> hey. It's super underrated. We love sermons based on the fruit of the Spirit that include games where we vote on whether random things are underrated or overrated. It has been fun being able to do that with you, but we all understand that it's more than just fun and games, that this is a significant uh, truth that the scripture is teaching us about how we should live our lives, how we should order our lives, how God's Spirit fills us up and changes us. And so we are going to conclude kind of that series today. And um, I want to kind of go back a little bit. We've been bouncing around all through the book of Galatians. And I want to go back a little bit and kind of get to some of the things that Paul says before this as he kind of sets up the fruit of the Spirit. And so I want to read in Galatians 2.15. So I'm going to read um, there. And he kind of gives us some of the concepts that set up this idea that sometimes we can live by the flesh or we can live by the spirit. And this battle is waging on in our lives. Are we going to live by the flesh or are we going to live by the spirit? So he says this. He says, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves so amongst the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You foolish Galatians, chapter 3, verse 1, who has betwitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So I ask again, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard. So you see, Paul is kind of laying out some of the things that will set up him uh, giving us the fruits of the Spirit. And he's talking about this battle that, that is going back and forth between the flesh and the Spirit. And so I want to kind of run through some of these principles quickly that is laid out here and some kind of lessons that we have to take away and we have to remember as we kind of conclude this thought and as we, as we look at the whole picture of the fruits of the Spirit, we have to keep all of these things in mind. So, so as I read through this, these are things that Paul lays out right here in these verses uh, and says these are lessons that we need to keep in mind. He says, first of all, he's talking about how faith not following the the law is what saves us. So he says in verse 16 of chapter 2, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because the works of the law, no one can be justified. So he's talking about this balance and this difficulty where people are trying to follow all the traditional rules and all these, all these laws to earn their way to God. And he said, you can't do it. It's impossible. It's not what you can accomplish on this earth. If you rely 100% on your flesh or your outward uh, appearances of faith, you will be insufficient. It won't be enough. It has to be God and faith in you that saves you. It's a spiritual act that takes place by the grace of God for you to be saved. And that is really important for people to understand. And this is one of those battles that was waging and going on in this time and still goes on today where people continue to say, hey, if I do this right, I do this right. I will win my favor with God and everything will be okay. But it always leads to people focusing on outward appearances and outward things. And it always leads to kind of an inward emptiness and missing the mark and focusing totally on kind of perceptions and religious practices to save us. And that misses it. And that's the point he's trying to make. He says this as well, and he's communicating this as well, is that grace does not justify sin. And so it says in Galatians 2.17, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. That's not the point. The point isn't just because I'm saved by faith through God that it gives me license to just do whatever I want. That's not the point. That's not what he's saying. Uh, another takeaway that I get from this section is you have a new life in Jesus. It says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in me. It's a new life. It's a new start. It's a new reality. It's a new empowerment. 
that happens when God comes into our life. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And a fourth point here that I read in this section is live by the spirit, not the flesh. And he says in 3.3, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit? Are you trying to finish by means of the flesh? So let me just kind of lay this out is that Paul is kind of irritated that people sometimes are still focusing on kind of outward displays of piety in order to kind of demonstrate their godliness and inside they're morally bankrupt. Inside they, they are missing the mark. And so he makes these four points, but we have to take them all within context as we look at the fruits of the Spirit. So real quick, again, faith not following the law saves us. Okay? These are, these are kind of principles, 101 principles of Scripture that is laid out over and over. Faith alone, it's faith not following the law that saves us. Two, grace does not justify sin. Just because God is gracious it doesn't mean we have a license to sin. Number three, we have a new life in Jesus. And number four, live by the spirit, not the flesh. You see kind of the progression and the message that he's, he's laying out there. This is what you need to understand. And then, of course, we get the fruit of the spirit. And that's the verses we've been looking at and reading. And so I want you to kind of keep that in your mind. Keep those principles in your mind as we as we wrap up this conversation, because because uh, this is a really important point that helps us understand what Paul is trying to communicate in the fruits of the spirit. We see Paul was irritated by people who just focused on outward things. Another person who was really irritated by that was Jesus. Jesus put it this way. He said, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. So, so there is a principle that is going on. And, and, and sometimes we get it wrong. There's a principle that is going on is that there is these two dimensions or facets of life that Paul is kind of contrasting. The flesh and the spirit. The spiritual realm being like kind of the things that are unseen, the things that God does in us. The, 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 there is more to life than just the flesh and blood we have and the life's, you know, the life on earth that we have here, 75 years or whatever, maybe. There's more to life than that. But also, there is a part that is part of the flesh. It's not, he's not specifically telling us to forget about life on earth, forget about the flesh. This is a terrible thing. No, God created you. God created you, flesh and blood. God gave you life. God gave you years. What you do here on earth is important. But if you get on one side where you say, the only thing that is important is flesh and blood, what I can see and what I can do, you get off track. If you, on the opposite side, say, nothing on life, nothing in life that I do right now really matters. It's all just kind of a spiritual world. And that's the only thing I need to think about. So, so Jesus puts it, you know, you clean the outside of the dish, but you have to also clean the inside of the dish. There's the outside of the dish and the inside of the dish. It's a little bit of a contrast between these ideas of flesh and spirit. So, so I want to kind of think about that today as we read for the last time 
the fruit of the Spirit. By now, you should probably almost have them memorized. Maybe you even have your own board at home where you uh, play the underrated, overrated game. But here, uh, here is the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll read it for the fifth and final time ever. No, uh, we might read it again at some point in the future. But the fruit of the Spirit, here we go, is love. Let me get rid of fishing. Fishing is not the fruit of the Spirit. Bacon just missed the list, but it's not on the list. Um, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Hopefully get them in order. You got to put them close together. They won't fit. Forbearance. Kindness. Got them right. Goodness. Gentleness. Faithfulness and self-control. So all of these things, against such things, there is no law. And so this last one, self-control, is the one that we're going to be talking about today. But I bring up all of the other ones and I put the whole list up there because really what this list is, is a collection of attributes that should be growing in our life. It really, in some ways, is a list of traits that our flesh should be focusing in on, empowered by God's Spirit. You see, because self-control is kind of one of these things that maybe in our mind, if we say, hey, we just live in a spiritual world and God's grace, it covers us and there's nothing we can do. What can happen sometimes is we can make the mistake that we almost live a life like a dog. Let me explain. A few days ago, came home, had the trash can out. We had had kind of like a little birthday party. With, uh, it was actually last Sunday, my sister's birthday, my son's birthday. We gathered the family together. We had some cake. We had some goodies. We had a smorgasbord, I would say. It was, it was a smorgasbord. Would you say it would be a smorgasbord? It would be a smorgasbord, okay? So we had lots of stuff, and everything was out, and it was great. And at the end of a smorgasbord, sometimes you toss a few of those things in the trash can. We left the house and didn't think about the smorgasbord that our dog would discover as we were gone. And so he tipped, she tipped, sorry, strudel, she tipped the trash can over and there was a smorgasbord of trash on my carpet when I came home. And so when I came home, I heard my daughter downstairs yelling, strudel, why'd you do that? I, I said the same thing when I was recording the online service and my dog was sitting there on the couch and I was strode off. She's like, what did I do? <laughs> I got punished already for the smorgasbord deal, but no, but, but, but I, I was like, strode what did you do? And we go down there and there's, you know, it's all over. And we look at her and we're like, don't do that strode And I think my wife, my wife said something like this. She said, don't do this, and I know that next time we leave the trash out, you're going to do it again. <laughs> she said something like that, and I really do think um, this, is, this is something, this is a great idea for a TV show. There's a TV show that I really want aired is, is Elisa talking to animals. That's, that's what I think would be a wonderful, because she cracks me up every time. She talks to animals, she talks to our bunnies, and she talks to our dogs kind of like they're people. But, but it's like, but like whenever you're, you know, you're sitting there talking to your dog saying, don't get in the trash can. 
And you know the real truth. If you leave trash in the trash can, whose fault is it? It might be our fault because dogs are going to go to the trash can again. Sometimes it is possible that we get this idea in our head. We get this idea in our head that, that it is only by the grace of God that we're saved. That's 100% true. That's 101, okay? It's firmly established. But we get this idea in our head that it is, it is an act of God spiritually, completely. There's nothing we can do for it. 100% true. And so as a result, I as a person and what I am and my destiny in life is I'm a dog. And whenever there's a trash can, I'm going to knock it over. That's it. There's no concept sometimes if we get too on the side of saying it's just it's a spiritual world and there's nothing physical that matters to that. Is that the, the spirit actually gives us self-control. That's on the list. Okay, That's on the list of the gifts that God gives us. And if you look at this, many, you know, these are spiritual principles. These are attitudes. But these are also actions. These are also things that we do. These are also things that like we work on in the flesh with God's spirit giving us the power to work on that. And so there is an error sometimes if we get overemphasized in saying, it's just there's nothing I can do. It's completely and totally helpless beyond our control. There's nothing I can do to ever change any of my actions. I am a hopeless, wretched person that can never make any improvement or growth. That is not what the scripture tells us. That's not the spirit that God gives us. The spirit isn't, and the whole, the, the, the message of scripture isn't, pray to God and ask for forgiveness of sins, and that's it. The scripture says that the spirit of God comes with us and in us to do something in our life right here, right now, to change us, to transform us. And so this is on a list that maybe feels very spiritual. And really, that's a pretty practical advice, isn't it? It's just sometimes just being in control. You see, we, we know this to be true, but we have to apply it to our spiritual life. We know when we see an, an incredible pianist playing the piano. Got to be careful when you say the word pianist. Uh, it's... it's, it's Okay. All right. So, um, you know, playing the piano and you don't look at them and say, you know what? One day a lightning bolt came from heaven and shot them. And all of a sudden they could play the piano perfectly. That's not what that's not what you think about. You go and you turn on the TV and you see an incredible athlete and you don't say, you know what? That person probably just they were just they were just born with the incredible ability they have and they didn't do anything to to build on that. You don't think about that. You think, you know, you think and you know, and all of us know that people who get to a point where they're really good at something probably put hours, years and years into that to develop that. But sometimes we kind of get a spiritual notion that how God works is through lightning bolts. That's how God works. Is there's a time that we say a prayer and pew, lightning bolt, we are saved. That's true. But it's not like 
that's the only way God works in our lives. Understand that God created you flesh and blood. God created you on this earth. God created you spirit. So if you miss either of those realities, something is out of balance. If you think that it's only flesh and blood and there's nothing spiritual going on, you missed it, right? But if you say it's only spiritual and there's nothing physical going on, you missed it as well. Because what you do has an effect spiritually on you. What you do in the flesh affects you spiritually as well. So the scripture is telling us something and saying the spirit of God should help us be more self-controlled. Help us to have more control over ourselves. You know, the other side of this equation, I think, is clear. And it's Titus, if you toss up that Matthew verse again, where Jesus said the outside and the inside of the dish, he said, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. He was talking about the spiritual and the physical. He's saying that the opposite of self-control is self-indulgence. The opposite of being in control of myself and my actions and, and, and being responsible for that is self-indulgence. I do whatever I feel whenever I want to. I'm on my own. I can, I'm in control of all these actions. Whatever desire pops up in my life, I live into that because this is the way I am. This is what I want. No, the scripture gives us a different picture. And this is, this is another Bible verse where it says in 2 Timothy and another verse that, that is written by Paul. For the spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The spirit of God gives us self-discipline, gives us self-control. And that sounds like a lot of work. And it sounds different than just like a lightning bolt coming out of the sky. And sometimes I kind of wish it was like that. And sometimes we pray like that. We're here and we're like, man, something in my life, I don't have good control over it. And so we'll come to church every Sunday and we'll pray, God, I'm ready for a lightning bolt to help that self-control get in line. I'm ready for a kind of a lightning bolt to come out of the sky and just say, Boom, I am controlled now, and now I have discipline in my life. But actually, the fruit of the Spirit is stuff that is developed. And what I would say is it's a fusion between the physical and the spiritual, because both are very real, and both are an important part of your relationship with God and your actions. So if you want to be a great piano player, there has to be a moment in time where you say, well, I've been maybe given some natural talent and ability, but I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to practice. And I'm going to try that, and, and it's going to be hard, and I'm going to come up against some, some areas where I struggle a little bit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go again. You see, there's, there's that, that kind of mental decision-making point, and then there's the action point. And I think the best way to, to, to kind of take this whole list and think about it in the terms of self-control is what I would say is I think there needs to be both aspects. So here's what I would recommend. I would say a fusion between those spiritual and physical things is you need to start with a spiritual commitment to God. 
It starts with God. It's God's spirit that comes and forgives us. It's God's grace that comes into our life. And it's God that will help us and see that through. But it's, it, it's more of a development process than a lightning bolt process. Self-control is. And so, so what it is, is I start by saying, God, I pray that you'd help me in this area that I don't have a lot of self-control. God, I pray that you would help me because I know I've been given a spirit that wants to be crucified by Christ, that wants to have new life, that wants to be set free, that wants to live by the spirit, not the flesh. I want to see that in my life, but I'm struggling with self-control in this area right here. And so God help me. And then when you say amen, go and do something about it. Go and act. Go and practice it. Go and respond. It's, I mean, I really, really wish that prayer helped me lose 20 pounds, but it just hasn't worked in my life yet. I keep praying that prayer, God. One, you know, 170. That would be great. I need to lose, lose that 15 to 20 pounds. That would be great. And I'd be all, you know, I keep praying that prayer, but then I keep going to, I keep going and eating a bunch of carbs. So you, you see, it's kind of foolish talking if we think that it's lightning bolts that are going to come out of the sky and, and do that. You understand, God created you flesh and spirit. And sometimes we have to get some self-control. Sometimes we have to practice that. Sometimes we have to act on that. And that's really the entire list. The entire list is things that God prunes and develops in us. I think the scripture reference that probably Paul was thinking about when he wrote the fruit of the spirit was likely came and was inspired by Jesus's words. Because in John chapter 15, Jesus gives a famous story and example of what he wants to do in our lives. So I'm going to read it as kind of somewhat as as a prayer for us. And I want you to hear this and start to kind of think about what is it that God is trying to do in our lives. It says this. It's not going to come up on the screen. What I want you to do, which I think would be more helpful than just us reading it, is I want you to hear this like a poem. I want you to hear this like a prayer for your life. I want you to hear this kind of not as like, hey, I'm going to dissect every word of it. I want you to hear it for like, this is what God wants to do spiritually in your physical life to transform and change you and to make an impact. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I had spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Some branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I've been made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Hear that Jesus' words, he's saying, this is a, a, a beautiful picture of what God wants to do in our life. Fruit of the Spirit. That he's this master gardener that's pruning, that is shaping, that is developing you as you grow closer and closer to him. It's something that God has already done and saved you. But there's more to be done, and he wants you to bear much fruit. He wants you to have the life that he's called you to. He wants you to be able to have self-control and all the other things. So he says, stay with it. Keep with it. Keep moving forward. My spirit that I gave you is not a spirit of being defeated. It's not. It's a spirit of love, self-discipline. Let's pray. God, we pray that we are not consumed by the desires of the flesh. God, I pray instead that we would know and understand the discipline of the Spirit. And so God, today what we do is we recognize that there is a spiritual realm and there is also a physical one. And you created both. So God, it would be foolish of us to not cry out to you and admit all of our, our flaws and struggles in this physical world. God, we need a spiritual intervention. So forgive us. And God, I pray that as we cry out to you and ask you for help, I pray that we would get up tomorrow morning, start taking 
acts of faith, start taking acts of discipline, start walking towards you in these areas of our life. So God, by the power of your spirit, help us to recognize you gave us a a spirit of self-control. God, we're going to need help. But God, we refuse to waste our life being self-indulgent not doing anything that is significant or important or just just living our lives frivolously in sin just because we know you'll forgive us. God, instead we know and recognize that you gave us a spirit that is different than that, a spirit of self-control. So God, help us. invite you into our life to prune off those dead branches that God we pray that we would bear much fruit hear our prayers God we pray this in Jesus name Amen